Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, just like you, we too are wondering the exact whereabouts of J.R. Smith at this very moment and where he could be dribbling the ball off to since grabbing his clutch offensive rebound last week. Because, believe it or not, he's still dribbling. Tommy, any guesses where J.R. Smith could be right at this moment? J.R. Smith, it, it, I don't have anything good for that. That was a good, that was a good <laughs> intro. I wish I had something funny to add, but I don't, so I'm not, I'm not gonna try. My, my only guess would be a, a local soup plantation so he can throw more bowls of lentil soup at his assistant coach. That's right. I guess that would be Tyron Lue for not reminding him of this score. But speaking of throwing lentil soup at people, Tommy Alexander is back from his sabbatical and ready to throw some lentily soupy hot takes your way and make us soak in all of that lentily goodness and ponder our basketball existence. Isn't that right, Tommy? How have you been, by the way, and how was your sabbatical? I've been great. That was a bad segue. It was a a nice (laughs) sabbatical, uh, lots of lentil soup. Um, Yeah, I'm happy to be back. I I feel like uh, a lot has happened. Well, actually, no, nothing has happened with the Lakers, but I mean, it seems like a lot has happened around the NBA uh, and the playoffs and all that, but um, 
Happy to be back. Excited to talk about some Lakers stuff today. Are you sure nothing's going on with the Lakers? Because below the surface, it seems like a ton is happening. Uh, At the time of this recording, it is June 5th, and uh, I think this afternoon, Woj just went on ESPN and dropped some Woj bombs, quote-unquote Woj bombs, but... And outside of that, there's a bunch of Lakers rumors going on in all the different forums and threads and whatnot and inside sauces. Uh, It is that time of the year. And Tommy, if you can believe it or not, the draft is, depending on when you're listening to this episode, about 16 days away. And after that, free agency is less than a month away. The NBA never sleeps. So I guess... You can toss in your final thoughts into all of this, but how do you feel about that? Do you feel the ramp up or can you believe that right after the finals ends, it's it's draft time and right after that, we're in full LeBron James, Paul George mode? I think it's it's been a little bit different this year compared to like the last four years or so because we don't have a top pick. Um, and I know we're like thinking a lot about the number 25 and who, who we could get and uh, all that, but... I think, at least for me personally, the number two pick is, which we had what three years in a row, is like such a valuable asset that um, you want to think about it a lot, right? It's like you don't get that opportunity that many times, and you got to put a lot of thought into it, and it's really, really breaking these guys down and like the elite guys at the very top of the draft, and that is like so time-consuming and interesting because they're all so good that it usually. And then there's like a lot of rumors when you have a pick that high because, you know, people want to trade up or like you want to trade down, et cetera. So I feel like that typically makes this period pass by um, a lot quicker. Um, but this year it's kind of felt like how I feel like we've been scouting these guys for like 10 months. You know what I mean? It, it just feels like it's been a, a little bit slower. When you say that it's in like 16 days or whatever, it actually, that does seem like it's pretty, it's coming up pretty fast. Um but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know that I've necessarily felt the ramp up as much this year as I have in, in previous years. Like, you know, thinking about these prospects for a long time, getting ready for the, the time to come. And then, and then it comes just because we don't, so much of the Lakers futures and flux, like, as I'm sure we'll talk about, we don't necessarily know that we're going to keep this pick ultimately. Uh, we'll probably make the pick. We don't know if we're going to keep it. Ultimately, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency. I think, like the the in the days leading up to free agency, I'll I'll probably feel like pretty anxious. But but for now, I'm I'm just chilling, man. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the Lakers season when it ended, it that that feels like five months ago. And to your point, I think we're pretty much doing like a cram session on our draft scouting of these guys. So us being cognizant of all these guys has probably just been what the last three weeks or so. So I I think to your point, yeah, it hasn't been on our mind that much. If anything, we've just been watching playoff basketball, hearing about what, what the hell Paul George is doing in LA this summer. Uh, But now I'm starting to feel it 16 days off and starting to really um, get into all these prospects deeper and deeper. And tonight and pretty much every episode until we hit the draft, we're going to continue to muse about the, the draft and the number 25 pick, whether the Lakers can actually do anything else in the draft prior to free agency and what's contingent on what, um, especially with regards to the offseason. And as LeBron James continues to get more and more pissed off at J.R. Smith and Jordan Clarkson and whoever else is on the Cavs. Um, 
But before we get started, tonight we're going to talk more about the NBA draft. And since Tommy hasn't been on this podcast to really delve into all of that, um, he'll just be giving us his views on the draft as a whole and some prospects that he's taken a liking to. But also we'll touch upon some guys that we haven't yet got into, even with my last episode with Cole Zwicker. Speaking of which, if you want like a a quick cram session and deep dive into the number 25 pick and the prospects that might be in that range. Please check out our last episode with Cole's wicker. Um, yeah, pretty much every episode from here on out is going to be a continuation of that. And we might get on, we might get some additional guests on as well. Uh, but before we get to that draft talk and some off season stuff as well, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers legacy pod. Please also follow our burner account, at ammo stash rocks that's rocks with an x 37008 where we only tweet about former laker great adam morrison and uh real life cryable situations so that yeah follow our burner account at ammo stash rocks 37088 but really follow at lakers legacy pod uh please also rate interview us on itunes because the more you rate interview us that's how many more times one of lebron's teammates will for- fortuitously grab an offensive rebound, and then unfortuitously try and clear the ball in all the worst gameplay situations possible. And we all want more of that because the more J.R. Clarkson scenarios LeBron must endure, the more his purple and gold future becomes cemented in stone. Speaking of rating interviews, tonight we've got burner account Eric Jr., aka Brian Colangelo's wife, or Jerry Colangelo. We've got Eric Jr. to read the review for us. And of course, we've got impressionist extraordinaire Tommy Alexander here to impersonate the infamous Eric Jr. So whenever you're ready, Eric Jr., take it away. This review is entitled The Lakers Podcast That Keeps On Giving by San Francisco Sydney. Love listening to the guys with their mix of deep basketball knowledge and positive outlook. Worked in advertising for almost 20 years, and this is my favorite piece of content to connect with as I travel the world. Sponsors and brands should be all over these guys. The intelligence and fun-loving critique is up there with the best of the best. New York Times, Washington Post, The Guardian, you make it. I think she meant to say you name it. (laughs) And that's it. Okay, I, I didn't really intend for this to happen, but doesn't that sound like a burner account? Like something it that I just sounds like something that one of us wrote. <laughs> it sounds like something that I hired Eric Jr. to write about <laughs> us. Uh, no, but that's great. San Francisco, Sydney, thank you for those kind words. And uh, the fact that you worked in advertising and can say all that is great, and we appreciate it. Uh, yeah. But Tommy, uh, what went into your review as Eric Jr.? As you know, Eric Jr. is a very nuanced character, so... What went into your impersonation? I I tried to think very, very hard about what it would be like to not be Brian Colangelo. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, Brian is a class act. Uh, He's a great guy, great for my experience working with him. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't bring him into this. He's a a class act. (laughs) Cool. All right. There it is. Eric Jr., uh, once again, please rate and review us on iTunes. Also, if you want to support us uh, financially, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Throw a dollar our way. Two dollars. Anything helps. Uh, with that said, let's get into some Lakers news and some offseason news. 
yeah, so Woj went on on um, ESPN and uh, just dropped a bunch of bombs, stuff about Houston, San Antonio, New Orleans Pelicans, DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, I, I guess let's just land on the offseason um, since I haven't talked to you in a while and and get your feel for regarding what's going on in the finals right now with the Cavs down 0-2, LeBron getting more and more frustrated, Paul George living living it up in LA, whether or not he's paintballing with Russell Westbrook or not. Some rumors we're hearing through back channels of, um, you know, LeBron starting to... And these are rumors that we've heard in the last year. So none of this is really new, but it's becoming louder and louder as, you know, the finals comes to a close and it becomes more apparent that LeBron isn't going to win another championship. I wanted to get, like, your pulse on how you feel about the Lakers uh, Lakers offseason and get a temperature, temperature check from you. Additionally, you know, Vegas odds have been coming out and I think the Lakers are 20, 20 to one right now, fifth best odds to win the championship next year. I don't know That's if you put so any, I, I don't know if you put any stock to that, but Vegas is the land of insider sauces and uh, mm-hmm. Vegas rarely loses. So I guess you have to put some stock into that based off of their anticipation of what might happen this summer and all the connections that they've reached out to, to come up with these numbers. You know, having said that, I think the Sixers are third best to win the championship. So they also think that the Sixers might get somebody, although you Mm -hmm. can, maybe you can speak to that based off the Coangelo stuff and whether you think that will affect them. So yeah, I guess what are your updated thoughts on, on the off season right now? Um, So far, I think everything's going according to plan. I mean, Paul George is out in the first round. That's about as good as we could have asked for. Um, and they frankly, in several of those games, they weren't even that close. Um, LeBron is cl- uh, clearly, even if they win the championship, I know they're down 0-2, but it's LeBron, so you never know. Um, but even if they do somehow pull off a miraculous come-from-behind victory here, I just feel like he's not going to stay. You know what I mean? It's like the writing's on the wall there. I don't think it's necess- It's nothing about... This is where I tend to differ in my opinions um, than a lot of other people. I think a lot of other people are like looking from LeBron still through the lens of, well, where is he going to go to win? Where is he going to go to get his next ring? Where is he going to go to, you know, f- form his next super team? And I just think that people are, you know, people change over time. Um, LeBron had been in the NBA for eight, nine years. He took a lot of heat for not even making it like, or for only making it to the finals once with Cleveland and for never winning. And he got swept in the one finals he made it to. And so at that stage in his life, you know, he's like 27. He's friends with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh who were both in their primes. Like this opportunity arose for all three of them to come together and chase some rings and they went for it. And I think he would totally do that again. I think like if he was, 30, 33 years old now and still had not won a ring or maybe even if he had only won one, um, maybe he would be more inclined to be like, I'm just going to go join, you know, the Houston Rockets and take a pay cut and play with Harden and Chris Paul. Cause that's how I, you know, take the pressure off of me at this point. This guy is so clearly the greatest player in the game. And like, you know, I don't want to get into the MJ LeBron debate, but we can agree. He's top three all time. You know what I mean? And he's just such a force. He has nothing else to prove. He's been to the finals nine times. He's won three rings. Like, I guess no matter what happens in this outcome, I think he wants out of Cleveland because one, I think he's just over Dan Gilbert in that whole situation. And 
I think people can't underestimate how much of a role that plays in it. It's like, even if you're not interacting with your CEO, let's say, for example, at your company every single day, um, but the guy's a complete, you know, jackass and is doing all kinds of crazy stuff and is making backhanded comments and, you know, you have, there's like a, there's like a tricky history between you. You know what I mean? Those are going to be yeah. reasons for you to want to be like, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm done with this. And then once you're, once you've come to that conclusion that, Hey, I'm done with this, then what do you do? Do you take a pay cut and go chase, a, you know, rings on a mercenary team like Houston? Like that just never made that much sense to me. Um, so that's why in terms of like how things are going so far in the NBA as a whole, and then taking that for the Lakers, I really feel like nothing has changed. If anything, I think the Lakers have done a good job. I'm presumably, you know, some of these rumors about that Woj leaked today, it seems like when things get quiet, there's like all of a sudden Woj has these new like minor updates, like, oh, there's going to be a meeting with LeBron and Paul George and they're going to talk about what they're going to do. It's like, okay, that it, it's very possible the Lakers just draw, like put that out there. So I think they're doing a pretty good job of keeping the hype real, like, the young guys are in the gym, like cl clearly working hard and, um, you know, publicly they've made a very good, they're presenting themselves very well. So like, I feel like there's nothing really that has, uh, has changed for me since the season ended in terms of what I think these guys are going to do. Obviously I think if LeBron, you know, his first round series went to seven games. If he was eliminated in that series, his third round series went to seven games. If he was eliminated in that series, uh, two, I think that, it would have been a better chance that, you know, there would have been even more media analysis on this. And like, he, he would have had even more time to think about all this and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe you can point to that and say, okay, well that helps a little bit. But I honestly, from the beginning, when these rumors first came up, I always thought, even if they win the championship, I really don't think he's going to come back to Cleveland. I don't necessarily know that he's going to come to LA for sure. But, um, I think he's going to leave. And once you get past that barrier, it's like, okay, how many options do you like realistically have? Yeah. I think one point that I wanted to bring up was I think the only real difference this time around, I think, as I said, I think a lot, but <laughs> I think the only real difference this time around is the fact that Rob Palinka's relationship with Woj is really strong, whereas yeah. uh, Woj's relationship with Mitch was non-existent or maybe even petty to I think a certain was, point. Yeah, I think it was. And so now I think we're just getting more info earlier on than we typically anticipate, but maybe it's always kind of just been this way. Or we're finding things out a little sooner and it's become a little more uh, vocal and we're just more present and cognizant of it through Woj. Like like you just said, maybe Rob's like, all right, float this one out there right now. So maybe that's the the difference. And I guess with regards to him saying today that the Lakers have cap space to easily sign LeBron James and Paul George, and I anticipate that there will be discussions between LeBron James and Paul George. Do you think that's a statement of him just connecting the dots or do you think he actually knows something and it's a statement of i know this will happen for me regardless of what the case is i'd assume Woj would have to phrase things in that presumptive way anyways whether he's connecting the dots or whether he actually knows this will definitely happen but do you do you have a sense of in, in your gut is do you think that he's actually saying this from a place of oh this is definitely going to happen or it's more uh 
sources indicate, or I'm connecting the dots because Lakers can easily do this and LeBron James is going to leave. Paul George is a free agent, et cetera, et cetera. I think he knows. Um, I think he, are, are you talking specifically with the thing about how they're going to meet or did you mean something else? Sorry. About the statement that the Lakers have the cap space and Paul George and LeBron James will meet. Cause I think some people yeah. saw that statement and said, Oh, he's not saying it's going to happen, but he's connecting the dots for you on how it will happen. And, and my argument is even if he's doing that, he kind of has to say it that way versus they will definitely meet because at that point yeah, it, yeah, kind of, exactly. it kind of feels semi tampery if he does say they're definitely going to meet. So it, no, I think you're absolutely right. I, I pretty much agree with your assessment. Um, and uh, frankly, I mean, and we can get it. I don't know how much detail you wanted to, you want to get into all of this, but, and it, it feels like absurd a little bit to speculate about this, but, you know, maybe we'll be vindicated when, uh, we, if, when slash if we actually do sign both of these guys. But mm. to me, it just felt like this has been the plan since last summer. Um, and nothing that's happened throughout the season has really changed that. I don't think LeBron is on a day-to-day basis, like looking at his calendar and counting down the days to his meeting with (laughs) Paul George. But these guys have huge teams, like they have agents, they have uh, managers, they have you know other kinds of representatives. There's zero doubt in my mind that the two camps have connected, and there's been some discussion of, "Hey, we're both free agents." You know, it, it two guys who are going to... It, it's weird. The tampering rules in the NBA are weird, right? Because it's like a team that... It, it seems like players tamper a lot and they never really get punished for it. And that seems to yeah. be like a, a league directive. Like we want players to be friendly with each other and talking about each other and not be technically violating the rules. But then if Magic Johnson winks when Paul George's name is, is referenced, that's tampering. You know, so it's... It's kind of like a different standard, and I don't necessarily know that those two players' camps connecting and loosely float, like generally talking about the idea that, like, hey, there's a chance both of our guys could be free agents this year. Like, should we meet? Like, those guys' agents are not affiliated with an NBA organization, so they could do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, I have I have no doubt that that is going to happen. And I have even less doubt that these guys will, I think for the most part, their minds will be very largely made up um, before the pitch even occurs. Um, Maybe, you know, the pitch is going to have maybe some sway and it'll, if, if they do it right, it'll like only solidify the things that these guys talked about beforehand. Um, but I think they're going to come into the pitch with a very, and not necessarily they're going to be pitched together, but I think each of them are going to come into their pitch with a pretty, like feeling pretty confident about what their decision is going to be. Yeah, for sure. And so why don't we also segue into really quickly to kind of wrap this offseason stuff up with regards to LeBron James and Paul George. But you and I had discussed previously just when it comes to moguls like LeBron James, this isn't a normal free agency, right? And if we look back to his former and previous uh, free agencies with like the big move to Miami and even the one to Cleveland, if you remember the Cleveland Cavaliers moved back home 
people were speculating that was going to happen like a year out. Um, Correct. But especially the Miami one, when it's such a big thing that happens with Miami clearing space to sign three guys. Uh, I know Bosch was already there. Oh, no, sorry. Wade was already there. And so they needed Bosch. And then Bosch came first. And then LeBron James came. There were still some things that had to happen that people knew about in advance of Bosch even coming that suggested that they were teaming up outside of just the fact that they were all friends and they were probably talking about this since the Olympics. But I wanted to just throw it to you because uh, and talk about the ways that especially with a guy like LeBron James, I think a large part of the speculation and the smoke of him moving to Los Angeles has largely been non-basketball related and it's been more surrounding his entertainment entertainment and media business and looking to the future of basketball and a lot of the back channels we've heard you know i I think pete zayas even said it on a recent podcast i think it was a under the bus podcast he mentioned like he's talked to people he's heard people in the entertainment industry who have no affiliation to the lakers or not lakers fans even who have pretty much surmised that you know lebron james has made this and this move we can't 100% say it's to be with the Lakers because you can make these entertainment moves in LA for your company and still play on another team. But given he's being aggressive about these back-channel entertainment moves that he's making, one can surmise as he becomes a free agent that the Lakers would be a strong contending team in his list, you know? Um, So I wanted to ask you about, yeah, what are your thoughts on just how when a big star like this moves with LeBron, it's more than just the basketball. And if, if you even want to touch upon the Miami Heat move and just all the different moves that had to happen behind the scenes months before for LeBron James to finally, and maybe Pat Riley eventually swayed him. Maybe he wasn't 100% sure yet, but he was just forming these contingency plans and putting them into motion so that he did have the option. But essentially saying that this stuff just doesn't happen out of thin air. It can't just be like, I decided to come to the Lakers because of the pitch, and that's the thing that sold me. But really, I didn't have anything else planned, if that makes any sense. It kind of sounds common sense, but I guess to dissect it a little bit more, because I I don't think we think often think too deeply about this. No, I I think you're absolutely right. And I think for fans, it's so easy, and this happens so often. So many fans, and you know, partially you blame this on the media, but... So many fans like forget that these are just like guys making decisions about their career careers, you know? So it's, it's not, it's not going to be this process where the season ends, LeBron's eliminated. He goes and like sulks in the dark cave for a week and then he comes out and he emerges and then he like retreats to the forest for like, sounds like Batman. (laughs) Exactly. And then he like retreats to the forest for three weeks and thinks about what he's going to do. It's not going to be like that. If you think that last year, LeBron, in the entire course of the last season, LeBron did not once think about what am I going to do? I don't know what to tell you. You know, like all these guys are constantly thinking about what they're going to do. Um, and that's not to say they're thinking about that when they're on the court. They're competitors. They're playing the games. You know what I mean? They're getting paid. It just, you know, if you were at a job, like at your job and, uh, and you're sitting there at DreamWorks and you know you have these other opportunities and, oh, you know, another company uh, has an opening and it's kind of like a position that I'm more interested in and maybe I'll think about applying for that. Just because you're thinking about applying for that, like that's just natural. That's part of life. But just because you're doing that doesn't mean you're not thinking about your current job. You know what I mean? So yep. it's, 
these guys are like they're not they're not dumb. They've been doing. LeBron's been in the NBA for like 16 years. He he can think about all this stuff at once. Um, and I think, like you said, with Miami and Cleveland, with Miami, I think everybody recalls the the quote unquote the decision because what happened there was. Um, the entire free agency was basically held up, right, for like three weeks, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody in the NBA was just waiting to see what LeBron and and uh, you know Wade and Bosh and Carmelo, I think, was a free agent that summer. Like everybody was just waiting to see what all these guys would do. I think part of that what makes that different than this time is LeBron was you know, grew up in Cleveland, was drafted by the Cavs, had made the finals once, had made the playoffs like seven out of the eight years he was in the NBA. Things were going relatively well. And, you know, maybe part of it was Pat Riley had to get his stuff in order. Uh, maybe part of it was they hadn't fully planned out the the decision. But I don't know. A lot of stuff came out um, before that about how, oh, wait, didn't Stephen A. Smith call this like six months ago? Because (laughs) Stephen A. Smith and then somebody, everybody pulled these clips of Stephen A. Smith saying like in the middle of the season, when I think the Cavs were like a number one seed that year, Toronto was a playoff team. um, Stephen A. Smith saying LeBron is going to go to Miami along with Chris Bosh. And it turns out later through like some sleuthing online, people found out, oh, it's because Stephen A. Smith is repped by CAA and LeBron was, I think at that time, repped by CAA or one of those guys was repped by CAA. And so word had gotten around that there were talks of them planning this. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, like you said, with uh, Cleveland Part 2. A year before, there were word was getting around that that they were kind of planning this. Miami had been to the finals four years in a row. Um, They won two. There was no sign that that team had any, you know, was slowing down by any means. They were constantly adding new guys. LeBron just decided at that time that he wanted to go back to Cleveland and try to bring a championship to Cleveland because he didn't want his legacy to just be known as I went to Miami and I won a million championships with these other superstars and that's it. And he said as much when he came back in his letter, he said, you know, he ended up winning, I think faster than he thought, but he said, I'm not here to trade the entire team to build a super team. I'm here to help these young guys grow and all us to all get better. And eventually we're going to win the championship. And that's what he did. And there's no way that in the course of the entire season, he hadn't thought about that. You know, he made his decision like another thing people don't recall the last two times LeBron was a free agent. The first time he actually had a meeting with the Lakers when he chose Cleveland, he didn't even do meetings. He just sent Rich Paul out to, (laughs) to meet with like these, yeah, to meet with these various people. And then all of a sudden, boom, Cleveland, like there, there, he didn't even meet with Pat Riley face to face before he made his decision. He didn't meet with Dan Gilbert face to face. He just made his decision. And then the, his, you know, his team came together and, and, and put it all together of how they wanted to present it. And so I think it's absolutely very possible that the same thing has happened here. Like you work in the entertainment industry, you know, like you know better than anybody else that when you're trying to do like get, get projects like going and get this kind of stuff yep. moving, it it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like I moved to LA and now I'm we're filming Space Jam tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's yep. like this stuff takes so much time and pre-planning and people are going to find out, you know? And so 
you mentioned uh, Laker film room, film room Pizzeus was talking about this stuff recently, and it just corresponds with a lot of stuff that we talked about, like in the middle of the season, with, with this anonymous online source who came on and said, no, 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 last summer there was already a meeting with Jeannie Buss and, you know, the CEO at like the very top level of, you know, chart or whatever the hell the company is called at this point. And, um, and entertainment execs about LeBron moving to LA and about LeBron getting more integrated in Hollywood and about Space Jam 2. Yep. And it just seems like, you know, and then connecting the dots, we kind of, I think we said at the time, oh, could this perhaps be the reason that Paul George was at Dodger Stadium and he said, no, I am an Indiana Pacer. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm going to be here for the rest of the season. And then like four days later was like, I demand a trade to LA. You know, <laughs> could it be related that Paul George heard from somebody that that meeting happened and LeBron was coming to LA and he was like, oh, I got to get there too now, you know? So I, I just think that, and again, we could look completely foolish when this doesn't happen, but I think that there's a lot of signs pointing to the fact that this is probably going to happen and I'm not expecting it because I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm I'm hoping it does happen. So yeah, I think. Well, for the record, I'm not leaving DreamWorks. By the way, unless somebody wants to pay up, you know what I'm saying. Uh, but <laughs> um, but I think to to your point and what I re- what I said at the beginning, I think it's it's less about this is a certainty these moves he's making, but more so you know like in the entertainment industry to get something into development, it has to the development has to start. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go the full way through, if that makes sense. Um, but LeBron James is... St- what I mean by the development that LeBron James is doing in LA is he's establishing his kind of like media presence in Los Angeles. Whether or not that means he's actually going to play here, I don't know. But at the same time, if he does play here, it just so happens to line up with the summer that he's becoming a free agent. And if he wants to make life easier for for himself, outside of the fact that he has a house in Brentwood or maybe two houses, I don't know. I forget how many houses he has in L.A. But, he but if he, Yeah, but if he wants to make things easier for himself, well, he's already cemented like his Mars Real sports venture, his stuff with Maverick Carter here, uh, Space Jam 2. He already has that in place. It doesn't. I wouldn't say it makes sense, but if he wants to make life easier for himself and stop the mercenary thing and uh, go off into the sunset, and he's realized, hey, I want to end my career with a team that's known for its legacy and its history, and it wouldn't be weird for me to join that team because there have been guys who have done that on the Lakers, Wilt Chamberlain, Shaq, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know what I mean? So it's it's not, it wouldn't be out of question or or be too weird. And and the fact that he'd be joining a team that's been uh, out of the playoffs for the last six years, I mean, that only adds to it. And so I think we're not saying like these back channel moves that he's making in Los Angeles, these media ventures are indicative of him coming. For me, it's just more like, well, everything's lining up to the point where it gives him the option to sit, take a look at himself in the mirror and say, if I want to make life easier for myself, I can just do everything in Los Angeles and the Lakers have cap space to do that. So I think at yeah. the end of the day, that's what we're trying to say. And um, this is Mike from the almighty baller network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season. And that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. 
With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Yeah, and and just to add to that, it's I think people forget. Uh, well, I think people there's two mistakes I think the general media and NBA fans make when thinking about this LeBron situation. Number one is that they assume that it's all about basketball. Beyond all this entertainment stuff we're talking about, the Lakers have established themselves as one of the few organizations in the NBA, given the way they handled Kobe Bryant and his twilight years and his retirement tour and all that stuff. I think they're very clearly establish, establishing themselves as like, you know, a premier organization again. And because of that, um, Guys pay attention to that. Guys saw like, okay, look at Dan Gilbert and look at how Jeannie Buss treated Kobe in his final year. Yeah. That's not, you know, people, people see that. And then number two, even if you are thinking about basketball, it's like people kind of ignore that you put LeBron James on pretty much any team in the NBA except for the bottom four or five teams and that team is probably going to be better than Cleveland currently is. And Cleveland is in the finals competing against the Warriors. Yep. They've been competitive in both games, you know, for the most part. So LeBron can go anywhere and he is the team. You know, you put LeBron and Paul George on the Lakers, that is a contender immediately and arguably would be the favorite to win the championship next year, given the level that LeBron's playing at and given the fact that it seems like the Warriors are kind of on the decline. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's it's it just makes sense from so many angles. I just wanted to throw that out there. I know I know we're obviously we're looking at this through the Lakers lens, and for example, I'm sitting here as a if I'm sitting here as a Philly fan, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, we have just as good, if not better. You know, we we have a better we have better young players that are more ready to contribute yeah. in the playoffs right now, and we also can sign him, and we're in the East, so he'll waltz to the finals. I get all those arguments, but it's still then it comes down to Philly versus LA. I think given that it, he seems like he's approaching the final few years of his career, it seems like LA makes too much sense. Yeah, the Philly thing seems like another mercenary move. And at this point, LeBron's what, 34, 35? I think he'd want to actually choose a team that he not could that see old. himself. Well, he's not that old? 33? What's his age? He's like, 30, he's like 33. Okay, yeah. But I mean, even, even with that said, I think he'd want to choose a team that he could potentially see himself, you know, putting his stakes down and ending his career there. And there's no better team than the Lakers to do that. Uh, but with that said, before we go- move on to our draft segment really quickly, there's one additional topic that I wanted to throw out there and Woj threw it out. And it's regarding DeMarcus Cousins. Tommy, did you want to touch upon uh, what's significant about him saying that the Dallas Mavericks may choose to chase DeMarcus Cousins. Initially, when all the DeMarcus Cousins rumors came out that uh, he may be looking at free agency because of those random, you know, unfollows of the Pelicans accounts and whatnot and following Lakers players. Initially, I had said that and argued that DeMarcus Cousins becoming a free agent on the market and becoming a strong guy on the market would was beneficial to the Lakers just so that they could have an, an additional option. And it wasn't just LeBron James and Paul George or go home. 
and that even just the the presence of a, a DeMarcus Cousins, another legit superstar on the market, was beneficial to them, even just as a deflector or detractor. Maybe the Lakers could even use him as leverage, or it would just keep teams who also were looking at LeBron James and Paul George away uh, if they knew that they didn't have as good a chance and they'd turn their sights to DeMarcus Cousins quicker, all that stuff. But I think there's one angle that I had forgotten to look at and may may be just as important to the Lakers. Uh, And I'm talking about the Julius Randle angle. And now that we have concrete news that, that the Dallas Mavericks may be trying to create cap space to go after DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, what what are your thoughts on that and how does it affect the Lakers potentially uh, in, a, in a more beneficial way as well? Yeah, to your point, um, you did bring this up before and I think uh, we, we agreed that, yeah, it's always good to increase the pot of good free agents. But like you said, I think what we didn't really consider was, well, how does that actually help the Lakers when it comes to their own free agent? Like not only is it not only is it beneficial to have more max type guys just to deflect LeBron and Paul George, like you said, but it also is beneficial because the more max type guys there are, the more teams there are chasing those guys. And that means guys that are further down the list are going to have to wait a little bit. Yep. One of those guys who's further down the list is Julius Randle. One of the teams that was strongly linked to him because of, you know, where he, that's where he grew up was the Dallas Mavericks. So if the Dallas Mavericks are sitting here thinking like, well, we have, I, do you recall what their pay is at number five? They have like a top five pick. I thought, yeah, I know they it's, do. it's yeah. So I think it's number five. So there's, they're sitting here thinking we have the number five pick. We can get a legit, you know, legit guard or a legit forward or even a legit big man because DeMarcus can coexist and Dirk is on the way out. So if he doesn't retire this summer, so he, um, so, so it's it's good in the sense that if if the Mavericks are you know spending time clearing cap space and chasing Demarcus, um, that just buys us more time. I think the concern that we all had when it came to Julius Randall was okay in the process of getting all of our stuff together with regards to LeBron James and Paul George. And then turning around and thinking, okay, now how are we going to keep this team intact by getting rid of Luol Deng so we can keep Randall? That's going to take time. There's not going to be a team day one of free agency that's like, I we will take Luol Deng for one first round pick. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's probably not going to happen in that fast. Um, and so the concern that we had was, well, what if Julius Randall goes and signs a 18 plus million dollar offer sheet? two days into free agency because, you know, he saw what happened to New Orleans Noel last year. He saw what's happened to other restricted free agents and he's afraid of getting screwed over. Um, so he just went ahead and signed it. And then it's like, okay, great. Now we have three days to match. There's no way we're going to trade Dang in three days and finagle all of this, you know, cap stuff. And we're basically screwed now and we yeah. lost Randall. So if, if Dallas is going to be spending time doing that though, Fine, that's better for us because that gives us time to figure out the LeBron Paul George situation, which I think will be decided before the moratorium ends. I think we will know within the first three days of free agent. I think we will know by July 4th, uh, whether we're getting both. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we can immediately go boom, turn our sights to how are we going to dump Dang to be able to also keep Randall. Um, so it's great in the sense that it buys us time. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. 
It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Yeah, definitely. And that's a good segue into our draft segment because there are still some offseason implications that we'll be talking about with regards to the number 25 pick. Obviously, we know that it could eventually change hands if in the event that the Lakers want to keep Julius Randle and they're able to get a LeBron James or Paul George, they would probably have to take that number 25 pick that they select and then trade it off with Luau Deng and then attach a future first rounder, etc., etc., to get Deng's... Uh, salary off our books. Um, But there are some other angles that I wanted to ask you about. So let's get into our draft segment right now. So I haven't gotten your thoughts yet on the draft as a whole, um, specifically. Um, Some quick news. Uh, There's no more Jonte Porter. He's going back to Missouri. Um, Kevin, Kevin Herter, fortunately, is still still in. And I think he shut down workouts. Um, Apparently, he may have a promise from a team. The last team he worked out with were the Lakers, but now coming from Woj, it seems like the promise actually may have come from Utah. Um, so we'll see. And Utah obviously has the, what pick do they have? They have the 21st pick, and that is such a Utah pick to pick Kevin Herter. So even though we like Kevin Herter a lot, you know, he's a second coming of Mike Miller, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I'm going to slowly fade him because I don't think he's going to fall to the Lakers. But with that said... Uh, as Colswicker mentioned and talked about in the last podcast, this this draft after the lottery is very, very deep. Um, there's a lot of wings available. Uh, there's a lot of guys with size and length and versatility, which is, I think, the number one thing that the Lakers and a lot of teams are looking for. Uh, but I think this year specifically, the Lakers, in my opinion, are prioritizing defense, v- versatility in general, on both ends. Um, so defense, shooting, and or playmaking and just the ability to switch switch on defense be switchable interpositionality etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think those are the things that the lakers are prioritizing first and foremost with their number 25 pick uh but quickly before we get into some prospects what are your thoughts on the lakers even before free agency has started trading or using their cap space to take on an unwanted expiring contract from another team and getting a another an additional first round pick because it is so deep. So, for example, there have been rumors that Denver has been willing to potentially trade number fourteen, their number fourteenth pick, to get off of Kenneth Farid's contract. That's insane. <laughs> is there is there any chance if even it, let's say Denver is willing to do that and the rumors are true, is there any chance before free agency has even started that the front office, if given some intel on how the market is going to shake out and maybe they find out LeBron James doesn't want to sign after all, is there any chance that they decide to strike early and pivot at draft time and use their cap space to extract assets from another team like Denver and get a, get a lotto pick essentially in that number 14 spot? I think there's zero chance, um, and I think that for two reasons. The first is, how are you trying to market your team? You know what I mean? You make that kind of trade before free agency even starts. You're just sending out a, a you know loud and clear signal to all free agents. We are still rebuilding. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And 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 uh, 
Second reason, if you have any remote chance, if you've even been granted the opportunity, who cares about what the murmurs are or rumors are? If LeBron James has even considered glancing in your direction, you take that chance. You know what I mean? Like, you've made it this far. There, you know, I, I frankly don't know how much I believe the number 14 in Fareed sure, speculation yeah. because I feel like if that was true, there are at least four teams that I can think of that would jump all over that and they haven't yet. Um, like, for example, the Atlanta Hawks, the Chicago Bulls, there's no reason why the, either of those teams should not do something like that. Um, but yeah, you, you just always have to give yourself the opportunity to, to make your team better. So, okay, great. Even if you do hear a, a rumor that you're very confident in that LeBron's not coming, well, guess what? You're still trying to woo Paul George. Um, and to woo Paul George, maybe you need that extra space to be like, hey, you're not just going to be here alone with a bunch of 20-year-olds. Well, we can also get you DeMarcus on a one-year deal. We can also get yeah. you Isaiah Thomas on a one-year deal. Somebody who can help, who like you know and you trust. And if you're taking on Kenneth Reed before free agency even starts... You're just adding this awkward guy who doesn't do anything that you're looking for from your your team. He doesn't space the floor. He can't do anything with the ball. The only thing he does that you're looking for is he can run, but he does not really a good defender. Um, so, you know, what do you? What's the? That's the that's the type of move that a team makes when they know the season is lost. So yeah. you strike out on everything, and then it's like you have all this cap space. Maybe then you pivot into. Hey everyone, we're open for business. Send us Kevin Kenneth Fareed for a future first and we'll take it, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, I was going to jump in and say I think the doing this move would unnecessarily handcuff yourself for no reason because as you just pointed out, okay, the benefit of doing this at draft time is you know exactly which team is willing to trade their pick or whatever and you can select that guy. Um but it's not like you can't have a plan C after you strike out and still use your cap space to get a young player or a young pick. So you weren't able to to select that guy and you're not sure if it's the guy that you wanted, but Kenneth Reed is an expiring and you can still make that sort of move after you've certainly struck out. And right now, if you do it at draft time, that you're eating 13 million because that's how much Kenneth Reed is going to take. 13 million of Kenneth Reed's cap space along with however much the 14th pick is going to cost. So another, what, 3 million. That's 17 million that you're adding to your books before really knowing what the market is like and how it's going to shake out, right? And there's, even if you have all the best intel and sources, there's no way you can know everything. And I think Rob Plink is too smart a GM to unnecessarily handcuff himself this early and just get a random lotto pick. Unless, of course, he somehow talks to Jerry West and they've pinpointed the next Kobe Bryant and they're like, you know what, we'll find a way to still have max cap space and take on Kenneth Reed. If they can do that, great, you know, but I think it's just very, very unlikely. And to do this after all the work that they've done to get to this point, including already trading a former lotto pick in D'Angelo Russell, it just seems out of character and doesn't sound like something that they would do. Because at the end of the day, I think even their plan C down the road after they've struck out, if they don't get LeBron James, I think they would prefer that plan over getting a number 14th pick in Kenneth Reed, if that makes sense. Because 
we don't know what restricted free agency, how that's going to shake out. You know, Clint Capella is a restricted free agent. Aaron Gordon's a restricted free agent. Just like what happened with KCP, he was a restricted free agent till he wasn't. And then the market dried up and he was left with nothing and hunting for like a big one-year deal. I don't think Palinka can anticipate all those different angles. And so because he can't anticipate it, he should leave his options as open as possible. And even if he does that, does that does not necessarily eliminate the fact that he can still use cap space to take on assets later in August. So is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I think you covered it. All right, cool. So with that said, let's get into the draft. Tommy, some other news. The Lakers worked out today and Fernie Simmons. Uh, so this is, I like to call him the guard version of Mitchell Robinson, just because the last year he did not play in college. He's a 6'4 guard, uh, really, really athletic, explosive. Apparently, he did really well at the Lakers workout today, shot the ball well, moved extremely fluidly. He is very explosive, athletic. He's got some shake to him. He profiles more as a scoring guard, but he's tantalizing because he didn't play college and he was a highly touted high school prospect. Uh, he doesn't have that long of a wingspan, 6'7", but it's really his jump out of the gym ability that that gets to you. And given the fact that right now, the only reason why he's in the Lakers range is because he didn't play a year of college. Yeah, I guess what are your thoughts on Anthony Simmons and, and potentially getting a high upside pick like him? Because just like Mitchell Robinson, who, who didn't play in the last year, he could potentially pay off and the Lakers may get a steal there if, if they, they choose to, you know, see, uh, choose to take what they got from his workout and then everything shakes out with him character and personality wise in terms of the interviews, even though he does look like he's still going through puberty and everything. I think Anthony Simmons is a really interesting prospect. I, I, this guy is insanely explosive. Um, I don't know. Do we have we talked about this at some point? Why he didn't play? No, I, he just decided to in the last year to just start doing his workouts and training with IMG Academy and played ball with them. Um, but I don't know the specifics on why he decided to do that and why he decided to drop out of the combine. Obviously, the weaknesses right now are that he's slight in frame. We don't know what he's hiding, essentially, but the yeah. potential and the excitement and the dynamicness is all there. Well, yeah, because it's pretty crazy because you watch this clips of this guy and the way that he explodes to the rim, it's like watching clips of Markel Fultz. You know, obviously... He's not nearly that refined, or else he would be a top pick. Um, But he could end up being a steal. I mean, these are the types of guys, and Mitchell Robinson, I think, like you said, that's a really good example as a comparable player. But these are the types of guys who it's like, okay, um, what's what's the catch here? Because these guys seem way too good, and agents are getting way too good at hyping up these unknown prospects. And so it's really up to the team to do their diligence. Like, did Anthony Simmons not go to, or Simons, I don't know. Is his last name Simons or Simmons? I don't really know. But anyway. Simons, yeah. Yeah. Did he not go to college because of, you know, behavioral issues when he was in high school, like academic issues? Um, did he get caught doing something he wasn't supposed to do? Um, you know, all like, same thing with Mitchell Robinson. Why did he leave? Uh, I think he was at he was at some smaller school, Western Kentucky or something. Why did why did he leave there? You know, are there rumors that both of the or like at least from in the case of Mitchell Robinson, he's 
he's kind of got a big head about himself and he's not all there. And, you know, so these are the things that I think really will come out in the interviews. Um, and it's really, uh, it's going to be important for, for our guys to sit down and like really consider, although the talent is extremely tantalizing and extremely tempting to just be like, Oh yeah, if you're available, we're taking you because you're a freak athlete and you can really play. How, how much do you balance that against you're a freak athlete who could really play, but we guess what? We have a bunch of 20-year-old guys who can play, and you seem like kind of a jerk, and we yeah. don't want to mess up what's going on here. So Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so if his answer, you know, I think there may have been, when he decided to make this move, some of his answers may have been in the likes of he wanted to f- commit fully and start training and not look back. If that's real, if the Lakers suss that out and they view that as a genuine answer and they don't see any other red flags character wise. Yeah. You take a swing on a guy like this, who he's very young. He's very raw. I forgot how old he is, but he must be like 19 or so. He definitely looks younger, but, um, Anthony Simons is a three level scorer. His shot looks a little funky. The, the, the release point is low, but he can hit it and he can also hit in the pick and roll. He can hit, hit, hit that jump shot pulling up off the dribble. Outside of that, he can dunk over people. Uh, he's very explosive, like we've been saying. Great transition player. Anthony Simons provides that dynamic primary initiator type play that we've seen right now at Lonzo Ball stage he could benefit from a guy who can get him easy shots because he can create for himself and a guy who is just lethal in transition and can catch lobs and cut in the lane and be able to finish you know Anthony Simons has that ability and regardless of how young he is regardless of how raw he is all you need to do is mold him and man you work with his body more strengthen him um get him a little more bulked up and who knows the type of damage that he could do because he was posterizing dudes um if you watch any of his clips like he's postering posterizing guys like seven foot and above with huge wingspans and he's fearless when he jams the ball down their throats you know and so he's doing that at 14 years old with you know i don't know he looks like a buck 70 right now super scrawny but you can see that he just has bunnies for legs so much in the way that zach levine had those crazy hops head at the rim head at the you know the backboard square, all that stuff Anthony Simons has. And when you have a prospect that tantalizing, um, it's just a good idea to check him out, you know, and do your due diligence. So it'll be interesting to see whether the Lakers view him as a risk worth taking and capitalize on that high upside. Because if you're able to really hone all of that crazy energy and, and dynamic potential, you could really have a steal on your hands. I think the only thing that may be suspect about him is how good of a playmaker is he? What's his vision like? Right now, he profiles as a scoring guard. So um, maybe he's Dennis Smith Jr. 2.0, slightly taller. Uh, Maybe he's just J.R. Smith, you know, but J.R. Smith in the right environment with the right tutelage is a good player. Pretty tantalizing prospect. So we don't know with Anthony Simmons. I'm just or Simons. Uh, I'm just glad that the Lakers worked him out and they can take a closer look for themselves, whether they want to take that swing. Uh, But it is a definitely a very interesting prospect. And if the Lakers are looking to make their number 25 pick their de facto lotto pick, well, if they pick a guy like Anthony Simons or Mitchell Robinson, they may just get that guy. Um, With that said, 
as we're running out of time here, are there any other prospects that kind of like intrigue you out of this draft? And of course, we'll talk more in depth about the draft as a whole over overarching wise as as the the weeks go on. But yeah, is there any other prospect that you wanted to highlight that's kind of caught your eye? Uh, the one guy that really stands out to me, and this will be a guy who, when they bring him in for the workouts, I, they definitely saw him at the combine. And when they bring him in for the workouts, it'll be very clear if they think he can fit what we're trying to do. And that's Melvin Frazier. Um, all the reports have been that the Lakers are looking all defense. And I think one thing that's we it's like there's a, there is a good amount of misdirection and, you know, um, and stuff like that. And Rob Palenka is, I think, shown already in the short time that he's – one year that he's been our GM that he has no problem engaging in this kind of stuff. But I think another weird thing is when Mitch said something when he was our GM, you just knew that that – you could never take him at face value. You know, if, if like something about the Lakers yeah. leaked to the media – you were just like, okay, that was leaked for the reason. What for a reason? What is that reason? Whereas with the current front office, that could be the case. But I think like so often, and I fall into this trap too. I assume that that's still what ha- what's happening. But I think through multiple reports, Palinka's tried to make. I think Palinka has tried to be a more modern type of GM who's going to be open and is going to be you know have a good line of communication with the media and the fans and. He has made it very clear, I think, through the media that the Lakers are looking pretty much all defense at this pick. And if you're looking defense at this pick, Melvin Frazier is a wing who has like a 7-3 wingspan. He's a freak athlete. He's known for defense right now. And he's just got a motor that just does not quit. And I think it's very, very wise, especially if you're picking towards the end of the first round. Maybe if you're picking in the top five or 10, you're looking for a guy and it's like, yeah, if his defense is not so great, that's, that's unfortunate, but you're looking for a franchise changer. Um, and sometimes those guys are not elite defenders. Sometimes they're okay defenders and they become pretty good, you know, but you're looking for different things. When you're looking at number 25, you're not looking necessarily for a franchise changer. Obviously, if you think you found one, you take them, but you're not necessarily looking for that. You're looking more for, who has some traits that I think can translate into what we're trying to do at the NBA level. And one interesting way to look looking at that is if you were 19, 20 years old in college at Tulane university and your only opportunity to get, make a name for yourself is to, uh, you know what, like most guys would take that and be like, okay, this is my situation. I'm just going to go try to score as much as I can. Cause that's the only way I'm going to get noticed. Despite all of that, Melvin Frazier had like the state of mind to sit there and be like, no, I play defense really well. This is how I'm going to help my team win. And this is what I do. And to have that mindset and maturity at at 19, 20 years old suggests a lot, not about your, not just about your ability for your defense to translate to the NBA, but just about how you approach the game generally. If you, if you care at 19, 20 years old about playing defense that much, it just is such a good indicator to a team that when you get to the NBA, you're going to care about all the details that much. Yeah. And so Melvin Frazier, I pointed it out, but 
obviously the most raw thing with Melvin Frazier is his offense. He has a his jump shot. You're not sure if you can believe it. He did have a spike in his three-point shooting his last year at Tulane, uh, shooting about 38%. Uh, but that, that was on a low amount of makes, 1.4 makes, or sorry, yeah, he shot 38% on only 1.2 makes per game. Um, his free throw percentage was 71%, so maybe there's hope there. But like you said, his ability to steal the ball, get out into passing lanes, his wingspan, when you see him spread it out on the court, is very, very scary. And the fact that he moves his feet along with that, I would be very scared to dribble the ball anywhere near him or try and get past him because even if you beat him, that guy can recover really easily. And like you said, his motor on top of it it's just always going. And so he's the type of guy um, who can block a shot, get the rebound and initiate the fast break because he does have a semblance of handles, you know, maybe he's a little erratic and you don't may not want to trust those handles, but there's some foundation there where it's not a total train wreck. And um, I gave this comparison out or I put this comparison out on Twitter, but he reminds me a lot of Josh Howard. And a lot of that comes from just the way that they shoot the ball and Josh Howard coming into the NBA and even out of college, he was not a good shooter. He wasn't a good three point shooter. Eventually just because of his raw athleticism and his wingspan, Josh Howard was also six, six and seven, two with a seven, two wingspan, just like Melvin Frazier. And obviously they had different contexts. Josh Howard played at wake forest, averaged 19, eight, two, two, uh, 37% from three his senior year, while Mel- Melvin Frazier played in Tulane, which is a much smaller school, but he averaged 16.6 rebounds, three assists, two steals, and also had a random jump at three-point percentage. Outside of those similarities, though, if you just have the measurables and also like some foundational skill sets, including for Melvin Frazier, jump out of the gym ability, but also some sort of handle and some indication that your jump shot is rounding into form. Um, I think that's a player that you have to closely look at in case he pops. And for Lonzo Ball to have a guy that he can throw throw a ball to the hoop to and he can just catch it and even in transition, just run the break really easily, I think that would be very important and that could be very valuable to the Lakers. And on top of it, just defense, right? Um, the fact that he can engulf guys and stop drives is, is very important. And yeah, so I think that's why I'm also intrigued by Melvin Frazier. He is so athletic. He's throwing windmills during in-game situations. If you want to see like a pretty good um, objective viewpoint of him, I guess go and watch his game at the draft combine because there he's playing with actual NBA players um, or potential NBA draftees. And he's he had 14 points and was showing a lot of his value and skill set in terms of defense, being able to cut, hit lobs even initiate the offense at times from the three-point line. You know, like there are times where he's dribbling the ball out out at three-point land and driving it straight into the lane. And just because he has such long arms, he's able to flip it up there. It's almost kind of like Brandon Ingram-esque. And all you have to do from there is kind of refine his skill set. And if you're able to develop him the right way, you may really have a diamond in the rough type player, you know, regardless of how raw he starts off on the offensive and as. So, So I think the Lakers will sort out if they if they have Melvin Frazier come in for a workout, whether or not this is a guy that they can work with and whether or not the handles are real, whether the shot is real. And if those things are not real, then they'll work with him to define his role a little better and just turn him into a spot-up three-point shooter. For me, Melvin Frazier at his very worst is almost like a Corey Brewer type player who Corey Brewer at his peak was a guy who was a good slasher, could dunk over guys like Derek Fisher, 
um, super athletic, great transition player. I mean, the guy had 51 points off transition plays, dunks, layups, and lobs. So I could see Melvin Frazier being that type of guy. But most of all, even at age 34 or whatever Corey Brewer is right now, he still has value, still provides value as a guy who can shake it up on defense and harass people and Melvin Frazier can definitely do that with how long and lanky he is and how much he moves his feet. So at his very worst, Melvin Frazier is already a better Corey Brewer. And from there, you start building out his offensive tools and weapons, being able to slash into the lane, being able to drive into the lane and find those angles to flip up these nifty layup shots like Brandon Ingram. Outside of the fact that he can just poster jam over people as well, um, who knows what you could get out of Melvin Frazier. And maybe you do end up getting a guy like Josh Howard who is able to round his game out offensively. Even at his baseline, he's just a guy who could probably cut the baseline, be a good pick-and-roll type dude, be a good dynamic player who runs alongside Lonzo Ball, uh, Josh Hart, etc., etc., to catch and finish their passes. You know, even having a guy like that who you know, you just give him the ball and he'll be able to finish, I think is a very useful asset to have. And I think that's what Melvin Frazier could do, even if his shot doesn't round into form. And at the very worst case scenario, you know you have a gritty defensive player who you can stick on guys like Kevin Durant or LeBron James. So yeah, I think that's why Melvin Frazier is so intriguing. Quickly, if you have time, any thoughts on Ellie Okobo, the point guard from France? And do you see the Lakers finding any value in having a sort of scoring guard in spite of the fact that it seems like all they've been emphasizing has been defense and versatility? The fact that this guy is smaller, 6'3", 6'4", do you see any value in that? I think I've convinced myself that the Lakers may find some sort of value because of how they saw Lonzo Ball play with a primary initiator like Isaiah Thomas. So let's say the Lakers don't retain Isaiah Thomas. Could they potentially look at a guy like Ellie Okobo, who looks a lot like D'Angelo Russell, very smooth, very crafty, has a three-point shot, has a floater, throws the same sort of whip passes D'Angelo Russell through. Um, the only difference is he may be like an inch shorter than D'Angelo Russell, and he may be a tad bit more athletic. Um, but do you see the, any sort of value in, in drafting a guy like that As of now, there are no rumors that the Lakers have brought him in for a workout, but maybe their overseas scout already know everything they need to know about this guy and his individual workout is still coming. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Eli Okobo, if you have any? I I don't think that... I really think he's a really interesting player, and I think he could be a very good player in the NBA. I just don't know that that is the type of player the Lakers are looking at. Um, he is super dynamic, but you mentioned Isaiah Thomas and how De- uh, I almost called him D'Angelo. How how good Lonzo <laughs> looked with it next to him, and I think that's a fair point. Um, but Eli Okobo is going to be a rookie. You know what I mean? It's it's he's going to be coming in. He's probably not going to wouldn't be playing that much with Lonzo. Um, these other guys are going to develop a little bit in terms of their overall skills. That'll take a little bit of ball handling pressure off of Lonzo. Lonzo will develop himself. Um, there's a lot of circumstances that are going to change. And I think when you're picking 25, the way the CBA works now, you really want to make sure I'm taking a guy that I think has a place on this organization Um in this organization for the next five years, because I will get him at a very cheap price for that amount of time. And whether a French point guard who's, uh, or a French combo guard really, who's a little bit undersized and doesn't really play defense. 
how well are those skills going to translate to the NBA? It's just so much more of a risk versus taking a guy who, uh, I, you know, we know this guy, we've scouted him at the very least. We know he's going to play defense and we know, you know, we know a lot about him. Um, I think they're going to lean more towards those types of players. I think to your point in terms of who can you throw out there and who would you want to rely upon in his first or even his second year, the quickest, I think they'd rely on a gritty defensive guy who just all you need to worry about is whether he is going to bring the energy and hustle out there versus a primary initiator who he looks good right now. But what if he has the hiccups, you know? Um, so I feel like they'd lean more on if they do need a primary initiator and they aren't able to retain Isaiah Thomas. I think they'd look more to free agency to get that type of guy versus a first year, second year player. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, I think that's why, even though Ellie Okobo is so intriguing and maybe you do have such a, you know, the next Tony Parker or Leandro Barbosa, et cetera, et cetera, and you see flashes and shades of D'Angelo Russell and all of that exciting play, and maybe that's our D'Angelo Russell redemption game. Even with all of that said, um, I think right now, given the way the Lakers have been going, it, it would still surprise me if they did decide to go the Okobo route, even though I do think that his skill set next to Lonzo Ball could prove to be valuable um, as Lonzo Ball continues to round into form offensively and, and get his own shot and, and all that stuff. Uh, with that said, Tommy has to go, and we've run a pretty long on this episode. We still have a lot to touch on regarding the draft coming up, and we'll get into more um, of our detailed opinions on on all of these prospects because it's such a deep draft this year. Um, but with that said, we'll leave it there. Uh, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers legacy pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us on iTunes, that's how many suit shorts LeBron James and the Lakers will be wearing next year. And Tommy, you like those suit shorts, don't you? You bet I do. There you go. LeBron James, Lonzo ball, Kyle Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma will love wearing those suit shorts. You heard it here first. All right, with that said, we'll catch you guys next time. And Tommy, catch you later. Later. All right, peace. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more pain. Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.